Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. I appreciate uh, everybody that's allowed their lives to be put on display each week for these videos and as we've had this series on Gateway Stories, and I'm very grateful for that. And today we are talking about worship. Before I get into worship, uh, I just wanted to say something encouraging to the mothers in our church. There was a study done very recently by Barna uh, about mothers, and it made it did a study uh, about mothers, the difference between mothers who have a confidant or a safe friend in their lives versus those who don't. And there was a tremendous divergence of attitudes between those two types of mothers. And the mothers who had a safe confidant, someone that uh, outside their marriage that uh, they could trust and a safe friend, uh, they were more likely to say this. They were more likely to say, I am satisfied with being a mother. They're more confident in saying, I am satisfied with my marriage. So guys, you need to ask your wife, you got a good friend? Uh, Let's find you several. (laughs) Because they'll be more confident in their marriage. Uh, A a mother who has confidants and safe friends, uh, they feel that someone cares for them on a regular basis. They will say, I practice self-care daily daily, as a result of those friendships. I am more certain about the future. Those friendships make a difference. And this one, this one really kind of caught, my guard, uh, caught me off guard a little bit. Uh, a, a mother who has a confidant, a, a safe friend to talk to, they say, I feel less tired now, it doesn't say that they, they never feel tired. Uh, it just says they feel less tired and uh, because they have someone that they're talking to. Now, here's what I love about this is that Gateway is a place that provides such people. And, uh, and, and so if you are a mother in our church or a, a lady in our church, um, we are a safe place for you to find that confidant. We have different ways that you can do it. We have women's Bible studies. We have life groups. Uh, we have prayer groups. There are so many avenues in which you can find that confidant, that safe friend to have in your life and the difference that it makes in your life. And when I looked at all these things uh, that a woman would say or mother would say who had such a person in their life, what I'm seeing is Someone that is sharing the burden with them, that is sharing the emotional burden with them. And then therefore, all these other things don't feel as heavy or as difficult. So, mothers, I encourage you to have that confidant in your life, that safe friend in your life. In fact, I would encourage that for the men in our church as well. And we have lots of opportunities on how you can find those kind of friendships. Now, we're talking specifically about worship today. 
And worship is something that we're made for. We're made for worship. And worship, it's much better together. Now, Sarah was sharing about how she has her meaningful time, and I can relate to what she was saying, uh, that sometimes when you're the leader in worship and, and you're leading others in worship, it can be a challenge to feel like you're worshiping yourself and uh, because of the burden that you feel towards guiding other people. But it is something that we do together. In fact, we are to practice here on earth what we're going to be doing together in heaven. This is on-the-job training what we do for what's going to happen in heaven. In 1 Corinthians 12, 27, it says, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. So you and I are a part of a singular thing, the body of Christ. And we each are a part, and we're a part of that together. And so we're made to worship. We are, uh, I mean, it's what we're to do. It's who we are. And I, I want, well, I want you to come to Gateway with an expectation each Sunday. You know, if, if you're a, a fan of a certain artist, uh, you won't think anything about uh, spending a lot of money to go see a concert of your favorite artist. Chances are you know all the songs that they're, they're going to sing, and you're singing along with them, and, uh, and you're, just, you're just participating in that. Well, even more so, we should be that way about worshiping holy God. Our worship team uh, puts out the songs that we're going to sing on Sunday. They put that out the week before <clears throat> so that it's on social media and you can see the songs that we're going to sing. And, and so I would encourage you to go and always find that list and then listen to those songs, especially if you don't know them, become familiar with them, learn the words. So that way, when you come into the worship time, you're ready, you're prepared, you're excited about what you're going to hear and you're excited about participating in that worship. And, and the difference between you just being entertained and you worshiping is when you are singing along with the worship team. They're not up here to put on a show. They're up here to guide us, to direct us and lead us into worship. So come with the plan of pouring out your heart to holy God. To pour out your heart to holy God. Now, I want to get into some verses today, and we're going to look at quite a few verses, and and I want you to be challenged about this and stretched about this. Um, You know, God alone should be the one who dictates into my life my attitude, the things that I value or not. We've, We've got a society that is always trying to impress upon you what you should know, what you should think is important. And is trying to impress upon you what to value and impress on you what you should talk about and think about and how you should feel about something. And the reality is God alone should be the one that tells us those things. When a hurricane is coming our way, and some of you have been in hurricanes, And when 
and, and it can be difficult because the path, you never know quite for sure which way the path is going to go. But when you know you're going to be in the path of that hurricane, they tell you the only thing to do is to get out of the path, to get out of its way. Otherwise, that hurricane can do a lot of damage and actually could take your life. Well, the, the hurricanes of this world, the, the opinions of this world are always blowing and sometimes they become an overwhelming force and God says, look, you, you just got to get out of the path of that. You choose to stay in this path of social media and all these things that are speaking into your heart and into your mind and, and you're spending far more time listening to that than listening to God's word and so what's going to impact you more is going to be that social media. One of the things I have to do, if I'm going to really be a worshiper of the king of the universe, then I need to have a death to myself. You see, when, when I, if I really want to have a glorious life, I've got to, I have to experience a, a death, a death of me. I have to die to myself, my wants, my desires, my wishes, my preferences, and take on what God says matters. So in other words, I die to Don to live for Jesus. But if I'm always just living for myself, then I'm going to find myself opposed to the things of Christ from time to time, if not all the time. You see, I, I was made by God, and you were made by God. I was made for God, and you were made for God. And until I understand that and settle that issue in my life, I'm always going to be in the hurricane. Until I, until I settle this issue of who's really God, then I'm just going to be torn and pushed around by the winds of this world. Now let's get into some scripture. Revelation chapter 5, we're going to, we're going to look at verses 6 through 14. It says, Then I saw a lamb. Now he's talking about Jesus here, but I need to stop for a second because this is very important. During the Passover, the Jewish Passover, four days before the Passover, the family was to choose a lamb and bring that lamb into the home for four days, basically to become a pet. They, they take that lamb and they love on that lamb. You know, when the lamb's living with you in the house, you know, it's a pet and you're part of the family. And they would bring that lamb into the house for those four days, knowing that at the end of the four days on Passover, that lamb's going to be slaughtered. So it became an emotional event for the family. I, I love my pet. I love that little lamb. Now we're going we're gonna to kill it. It just doesn't seem right. It makes it hard. And the reason God had them to do that was that we could have a glimpse into his heart. Because God would say to you and me, my lamb 
has lived in my home for eternity. Forever. My son is my lamb. And I'm allowing him to be slaughtered for you and your sins. So God would require that of the Jewish family so they would just get a small inkling, a small glimpse into what it did to him emotionally to allow his son to die for our sins. John says, then I saw the lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered. But it was now, and it had been, Jesus had been slaughtered, he'd been crucified. But it was now standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders. He had seven horns. Now, horns, that represents power. I mean, the animal that had horns, that, that was a defensive thing. Those horns could do a lot of damage. It could kill the predator. Uh, and so these horns, they represent power. And seven means perfect. So Jesus has perfect power. There's no power that compares to his power. None whatsoever. So Jesus has this perfect power. There were four living beings. They had, he had seven horns and seven eyes. Now, may, and, and this tells us that this represents the sevenfold spirit of God. You see, the Holy Spirit had a sevenfold ministry, and we'll, we'll have to get that's a whole nother sermon. Um, trust me. And um, so, this seven eyes represents that Holy Spirit. He, he says he, he, um, they represent the sevenfold spirit of God, which is sent out into every part of the earth. He stepped forward, the, the lamb did, and took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. That was God, the Father. And when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, so a musical instrument, and they held gold bowls filled with incense. There was smoke which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song. Now, I want you to get this picture. Sometimes I've been asked, said, why, why do we have smoke and lights during worship the way we do? Well, I think that's because it's the way it's going to be in heaven. I mean, the Bible tells us in the throne room, the light, all the light is, that is needed is what comes from the throne of God, that his light, there's no need for the sun, that the light is so powerful from his throne room that it lights up the universe. And, and so there's going to be magnificent light in this worship service. There's going to be smoke, incense from the prayers of God's people that are coming, that is being burned, and burned from the altar. And, and there's, going to be, there's going to be musical instruments. There's going to be worship. It's going to be amazing. So we're, we're basically practicing. We are getting on the job training to be worshipers in heaven. Now listen to this. And they sang a new song. There, there are going to be some new songs in heaven that you've never heard before. They're going to be really cool. 
These songs, now we got the words to some of them. We don't have the music, but we got the words. Here's, here's, here's one of the songs. We sang a new song with these words, and they sang a new song with these words. You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered, and your blood has ransomed people for God. That's you and me. We have been ransomed for God by the slaughter of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. And from every tribe and language and people and nation. That's why Jesus gave the command to go into all the world, to every nation, to every people group, with the gospel. Verse 10. And you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God. And they will reign on earth. That's verse one of the song. I don't know how many verses are going to be in that song. And when we get to heaven, there are going to be a lot of songs that we've never heard before. And they're going to be magnificent. It says, then I look again and I heard the voices. Oh, listen, listen to this. Voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne of the living beings and the elders. And they sang in a mighty chorus. Wow. I remember when I was in college and Billy Graham was doing a crusade at the football stadium at NC State, and I decided I got to be a part of that. So I was on part of the team to, uh, you know, just do work, whatever they needed done. And uh, one of my jobs was to go around and collect the decision cards that people had made and then run it over to the room that processed them. And so it was really cool carrying just stacks and stacks of these cards of, that represented people's decisions for Christ. And, uh, but one of the things that I'll never forget was uh, they had a massive, massive choir. Just, I, I, mean, I don't even want to guess, but I'm thinking it had to be a thousand plus people in this choir. And uh, my mom even, my mom sang in the choir at her church and was the uh, soloist for the choir. And, she came from High Point to sing in that choir, and that was so cool that she got to be a part of that. And so that choir was magnificent. It was amazing to listen to them sing, and Cliff Barrows, the worship leader, just led them and sing these powerful, powerful songs. Well, when we get to heaven, the choir there has got millions, millions of angels that are part of this choir, and they're going to sing a mighty chorus. In verse 12, we got the words. Worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Then John said, I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea. They say, every human being, even those in hell, are singing 
Blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Even those who reject Jesus Christ in this life and have to spend eternity paying the price for their sin, they're going to sing in this choir. So why not accept Jesus now and enjoy the benefits of the words that you're going to sing? Blessing, honor, glory, power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. And the four living beings said, amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped the lamb. And you and I are going to follow suit. We are going to fall down on our face and we're going to worship the perfect lamb. The lamb of God. Jesus himself. Just imagine what that's going to be like. Imagine millions upon millions of angels. Imagine billions upon billions of people. Imagine the worship songs that are coming out of heaven and from the earth and from hell itself, praising the name of Jesus. That's your Savior. That's who we worship. And when we worship together, like we're going to in heaven, it's amazing. So every time we sing a song in this room, just think to yourself, this is just a glimpse of what worship's going to be like in heaven. Just like taking that lamb into your home four days before the Passover sacrifice. This is just a glimpse of the price Jesus was willing to pay, the price that the Father was willing to pay by giving up his son. The worship we do in here is just a glimpse of what's to come. I want to back up one chapter, Revelation 4.11 you are worthy, O oh Lord our God, to receive glory, honor, and power. For you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. God made you for his pleasure, not the other way around. This world creates its own gods so they can control it. But God created you because it pleased him. So therefore, my ultimate purpose is to worship holy God. My ultimate purpose. Romans 12, 1 and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God 
because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So worship is just not the words that we sing to a song. Worship is when you say, Jesus, this is my life that you created. I give it back to you. I die to myself so that I can live for you. This life belongs to you. It pleases you. Do as you wish. Number two, worship is my response to God's love for me. Matthew 22, Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul. That means with passion. And with all your mind. That means with fault. You know, that you're, you don't just, it's not a mindless thing that happens. It's, you're thinking about it. it. It consumes your mind and you're dwelling on it. And it's with passion. It's from your heart. It's from your mind. And, and it's, this is the first and the greatest commandment, according to Jesus. So if you're not loving God with all of your heart and your soul and your mind, you've missed it. This is it. I mean, if we miss this, we've missed it. So my question to you then is, how are you doing on what Jesus told you to do? The reality is worship is just the way I react, how I respond to the ways that God loves me. That's what worship is. He loves us, and we worship him back. You know, God always makes the first move. God doesn't ever ask you to make the first move. He always makes the first move. He created us. He saves us. He forgives us. He blesses us. He protects us. All the things, and then because of all these things, we worship him. Number three, worship is focusing my attention on God. That's worship. When my life is focused on who God is, then that's worship. Psalms 139, <clears throat> oh Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. So if God is so focused on us, we should return the favor and be focused on him. Romans 8, 7, for the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. Each of us have that sinful nature and that sinful nature will never, ever get better. You're never going to be able to clean it up, make it acceptable. It never will be. The best thing you can do with that sinful nature is to let it die. You crucify it. That's what it means to die to yourself. You crucify that sin nature. You crucify your self-wants, your self-centeredness. You crucify all of that. 
Romans 12, 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Let me give you a different option. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That's called renewing your mind, rewiring your thinking. We naturally are drawn to the customs and the behavior of this world. And we're consumed by it. I mean, we watch it all the time on social media. We just get sucked into these short little video clips, one right after the other, of all the dumb things people can think of of doing. And they try to think of dumber things so that you'll come back and watch more of them. Right? Uh, You know I'm right. (laughs) And the Bible says don't copy it. But I want to tell you, if you indulge in it consistently, it'll show up in your life. It'll certainly show up in your thought life, and it will show up in your thinking. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then, only then, will you learn to know God's will for your life, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You cannot discern God's will for your life as long as you're focusing on what the world's opinions are. Did you get that? As long as you're focused on what the world thinks and the customs of this world and the things of this world, you're not going to know God's will for your life. Jesus put it this way. He said, when you pray... Go away and pray by yourself. Shut the door behind you. That means leave all the distractions out there and pray to your father in private. Then your father, who sees everything, will reward you. Isaiah 26.3 You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. All whose thoughts, get this one, are fixed on you. If you are lacking peace in this world and peace in life, the way you get peace in life is put your fixation on Jesus, on God and his word. That's where you find peace. Number four, worship leads us to a greater love for others. 1 John 4, 19, we love each other because he loved us first. So when I worship, truly worship, I'm going to look at people differently. I'm going to treat people differently. Number five, worship reminds me of God's love for me. Hosea chapter six, it says, "I, I I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. This is what God is saying. God says, I I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. God is saying to you, I want you to know how much I love you. I want you to know how important you are to me. I want you to know why I made you. I want to know, I want you to know how you can please me. I want you to spend eternity with me. Exodus 34 says, You must not worship, you you must worship no other gods. For the Lord whose very name is Jealous 
is a God who is jealous. Now, let me just stop right there. That's not the word jealous as you know it. You see, our human nature, when we're jealous, it's because of insecurity on our part. And we're jealous because we don't have what we want or we don't have the affection that we want from somebody else. And we're insecure about ourselves. But when the Bible refers to God as jealous, it's not that at all. God is not insecure. Let me promise you that. Rather, jealousy here means passionate. So you could say, the Lord whose very name is passionate, he is a God who is passionate about his relationship with you. And he wants you to share that same passion with him. One last thing. Worship is using my giftedness for God. Every time you take one of your spiritual gifts and use that spiritual gift, you're worshiping holy God. Colossians 3.23, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. You see, if everything that I did, I did it for the glory of God, it might change some of the things I did. Certainly the attitude in which I do it. 2 Corinthians 5, 9, so whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. We are made for worship. That's what we're made to do. Let's pray.